Life isn't about finding yourself. Life is about creating yourself. To be old and wise, you must first be young and stupid. Words I don't know what's change happening. when eyes meet. Do you know what else changes when... We don't see things as they are. We, say, we see things as we are. Wait, that's true, though. That one I agree with. You say I dream too big. I say you think too small. It's your life and your choices. Don't let anyone take control over you. Yeah, don't let them control you. Even salt looks like sugar, but eyes never lie. Wait, what? Oh, hold on. Pause on that one. What does that mean? Even salt looks like sugar, but eyes never lie. But... Life isn't about finding yourself. Life isn't about creating yourself. I kind of agree and kind of disagree. You say it best when you say nothing at all. <laughs> Damn, though. The True. things that we love tell us what we are. Who you are, what you love. That was a whole theme at like Ambrose for a year. The sun watches. No, I don't like that one. Um, you don't like the sun. You know what I'm reading? No. <laughs> Read all the captions from this account. <laughs> <laughs> this is a uh, porn account. No, it's reading not a porn account. From. It's just another thirst account that started following me. I wouldn't be surprised if it's the same person. Scantily actually. clad images are Honestly, abound. they're not. They're just all fully clothed. Well, isn't that disappointing? I mean, if that's what you're looking for, I guess. <laughs> I just think it's funny that thirst accounts keep following me. <laughs> I don't... Well, we know why, mate. You're famous. And that they all have these, like, generic visco... Um, captions for them oh that's the funniest part to me our also, boy glendon frank is a famous man all posted in the same day anyway you're famous mate i am famous how do you want to speak about your newfound fame um it's daunting um the power is getting to my head please True. send more confessions about me also i think it's really funny that assuming these aren't all fake which is possible um that there's like this whole group of people who apparently had a crush on me and then didn't talk to me. Okay, by a whole group. We're talking about, like, two. No, it was more than that. It there was like might three have been three. I, okay, mate, I'm pretty sure it was, I, I, I'm i pretty intimately familiar. I think it was three. more than enough to me to be like, why? I'm surprised. I don't know why they haven't messaged you since posting I'm that. fairly approachable, I feel like. Maybe we need to put a message from you on the page and be like, hey, if you're interested in me, hit me up. On my DMs. I don't know. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, that kind of sounds a little desperate, but... Um, yeah, like, I am i don't know if I'm quite in that mood, <laughs> but I am kind of like, if you, like, want... Because there, there was someone who's like, I wish I had a conversation with him. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, just, yeah. just talk to me. I'm a human being. He's available at I'm all times. I'm not a piece of meat. You I'm a friend. You can send him a message whenever you want. Yeah. And he will reply at least sometimes. Yeah. And um, then there's the person who wanted to eat my tissues. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I can't really comment on that one. That's a little disturbing. I really want to know who sent that. Uh, they are in horny jail, so... I hope it's James or someone. I don't think so, mate. I think that might have been someone legit. <laughs> you think that was legit? I think someone really wants your tissue. And someone told... Someone wants you to step on them, too. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, there's there's a few horny. <laughs> like, it wasn't just one or two. Yeah, the, it, it kind of, you know, fluctuates between horny and just... 
genuine genuine yeah. wholesome comments which sure is also glendon so <laughs> <laughs> is it and no it's more me um, yeah it's very much more let's you. be honest i'm actually just lonely and horny um we knew that <laughs> welcome to the podcast <laughs> hey have we ever told you guys the story of how glendon and i met i don't remember probably not no one really wants to tell the story it, i do he's really itching well i've got three it. stories i want to tell and yeah, they're all this great. is this is an okay story this but... one's a man but it's like also it's a story of how we met so it's got to be told the Back... story of us sounds a lot like a tragedy now What's that supposed to mean? Taylor Swift. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. Anyway, it was the year 2018. Sure. Maybe. Second semester of the year. Glendon and I were both in a class called... No, that Bi- was first semester. Bible and Pop Culture was second semester. Oh. That was... Was that 2018? That was... Yeah, 2018. I guess, be- like, first half of 2018. Yep. Exactly. Sure. First half of 2018. Glendon and I are both in two classes together. Shakespeare. And Bible and pop culture. True. Um, and Shakespeare, we didn't really interact at all, except that we both had a presentation on the same day. True. Goosen didn't like mine. And Goosen didn't really like mine either. Oh, did he not? Um, Yours is definitely better than mine. I think I got a B. I, I think I got a... Here's the thing. I forgot to include an interactive element because oh. I didn't... I read the syllabus. I didn't read the assignment sheet. Oof. Rookie mistake. Second year. Don't do that again. Oof. Um... And what'd you get on it, then? I don't remember. I remember it's probably, like, a B-minus or something. Yeah, but I, I also remember asking if I could sub it with, like, a different assignment or something mm. like that and figuring stuff out. Yeah, I don't think... Like, I didn't do that well, either. But I think I got, like, a B-plus in that class or something. I think I got the same, like actually. Like, a B, B plus. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, at that time, Glendon was giving his presentation. I was in the back, frantically trying to get mine solidified and together because I had left it to the last minute. And Evidently. Um, it was not, uh, like, I was, I was scared. So yeah. I'm ignoring everything Glendon's saying at the front of the class. I don't so really... everyone else. Oof. Oh, damn, but, like, true. Um, <laughs> <laughs> probably um, not. And then, uh, luckily, he didn't have an interactive portion, which saved me. <laughs> That's true. That's true. You should be thanking me, really. Uh, thank you. Um, uh, and then I gave my presentation, and I had, like, a freaking 20-minute interaction portion yeah. that was like, hey, analyze these stanzas. Yeah. We were also, like, the first two, weren't we? I think we were pretty early. I don't know if we were the first. Yeah. Maybe maybe Heather was before us? Uh, yeah, I think there was at least one person before yeah. us. We were pretty um, early, so we didn't really know what we were doing yet. Oh, uh, that was the first presentation I think I gave it Ambrose. Same, I think. Well, no, sorry. I did uh, one... I did one in my second semester, but it was for John Weist, and it was very different. Yeah, and I, would, I gave one... I guess I'd, I'd given two at that point before that. One was in astronomy, though, and it was literally like, here's the trip I went on to yeah. this space place. Yeah. Cool well, telescopes. And the other one was I read my story in um, Wisdom Lit. Yeah. And that was less a presentation and more of a reading. Yeah. Um, I did one in my second semester for John Weist for Intro to Computers, a class that no longer exists, I'm pretty sure. I don't know why. It was, it was a science credit and I thought, oh, computer science. I did some of that in high school. That could be fun. And no, it was not computer science. It was intro to computers. Which Wait, was like, like how to build a computer? No, like, here's how to use Word and Excel. Here's how to use the basic functions of a computer. Here's how computers started. That is sad. It was so incredibly easy, and it was John Weist. But I had I had a presentation with Alejandro, actually. We did, like, a timeline of computing that or something like that. That is a throwback. Right? Like, it, it was super, super weird. That but guy was in my capstone. Yeah, it was a fun class. Alejandro was a good guy, actually. He was a good guy. Um, 
that's besides the point. Anyway, Glenn and I were both giving a presentation of Shakespeare, but then later in that semester, I gave a presentation in Bible and, and pop culture. Um, I didn't talk to Glendon at all in that class because I didn't know who he was really. Also, we sat on like opposite. We sides sat on opposite sides, and I I really didn't know like anyone in that class except yeah. for Nick, kind of because of president. Friend. Yeah, well, I kind of knew him because he was in the same friend groups like Greg and and other people I from the Cle- and Matt and whatnot, like yeah. that kind of friend group. So I kind of knew Nick, and that was it. I didn't know anyone else in that class because half of the class dropped out after the first day. Oh yeah, that's true. I forgot about that. Colin um, scared everyone out. Yep, Colin scared everyone that out. That was a good time. And so there was a lot of women in that class. That's true. And it I, was, I think it I've was, never made that connection before. I think it was sure. just you and me were the only guys. And Nick. There, and Nick, besides Nick, yeah, yeah. Is that? I think so, unless there's someone else I'm forgetting. No, because Lucas was in that class. Lucas, like, Shum? Yeah. Shum? Shum? How do you pronounce his last name? I don't know. Are you sure he was in that class? I'm pretty sure. Did he not show up half the time? I f- I don't know. Lucas was in there. Um, I'm pretty sure Lucas was in there. I think. Yeah. Oh, maybe he was. I'm trying to. Think I feel. Why did I never see him in that class then? I remember Nick. Yeah. I don't remember Lucas being there Nick at all. Nick talked a decent amount. Yeah. I'm trying to remember if Jono was in that class. I don't think so. I know Jacinta was. Yeah, Jacinta um, was. Yeah, I remember that. So I was part of. I somehow ended up in the popular girl group a couple times. That was terrifying because <laughs> I was the one leading the conversation. Yeah. I was scared out of my mind. I'm like, why am I in this group? I don't, like, you all are, like, the super, either the uber Christian girls or, like, the somewhat, like, popular girls at Ambrose. And I'm like... No, this is Noah still thinking there are cliques that exist. There are, mate. Um, anyway, I, I boosted Bethel a couple times. <laughs> That's nice. great. Um, anyway, I gave a presentation at the end of the semester yeah. on DC Talk and, like, yeah. contemporary Christian music. Yeah. And that's when Glendon was like, huh, you, you can continue and go from there. I don't know. I was like bands i like bands and so he talked to me after the presentation yeah. i i think i mentioned reliant k yeah and maybe talked about dc talk and i, I was kind of i think of you were wearing your reliant k shirt That's and i'm possible. like oh yeah this is good nice to talk to you and then i didn't talk to you again for like six months probably um maybe i don't know um because it wasn't until like a modern lit theory and like spiritual autobiographies that we really yeah like really started communicating yeah. on a regular okay, so basis. Okay, so yeah, like those were at the same time. So it wouldn't have been like the very end of that, because like the moment you're thinking of is at the very end of spiritual autobiography. Yeah, we we but had we, were, we had talked before. We then. were talking throughout modern. Life. We had already communicated. We weren't sitting together in class though. We never sat together in class. Is that true? I feel like that's true. What about literature by women? I L- would have thought. Lit by women. I think I sat by like Sarah. Um, Fen or Joy? Fen. I sat by Sarah Fen in that class. Oh, I'm trying to think about how the sitting structure. I may have started by like Maddie and Sarah Joy, and then at some point moved back with Sarah Fen. Well, I I, seem to at that happening. point we all kind of knew each other. It didn't it's really true. matter anyway. who sat with who. Anyway, but it was in modern. That was, was a class where there were only like two or three guys. Oh my god. Anyway, so two things happened. One in spiritual autobiographies, and the first one in modern lit theory. In modern lit theory, I gave a presentation. It was yeah. on Lacan. Your boy. And I guess I could tell a story related to that, but we'll come back to that. Anyway, um, Lacan, I was giving a presentation. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to throw in a funny meme from SpongeBob. And oh, so yeah. I put it into like my liked um, my liked uh, playlist oh, on YouTube. Oh, so, yeah. I forgot that's when this started. Yeah. And so this was probably like midway through the semester, probably. Yeah. 
Um, and so I'm playing. I'm sure this video is like the inner machinations of my mind are an enigma, and I'm like, this is just like how everyone understands Lacan. Anyway, um, and so I play that, and then it starts immediately auto playing to the next video, and it starts playing, and I'm like, oh, sh-. and I quickly hit pause, and like I didn't. I'm like, I wonder if anyone noticed because I didn't really look up. I quickly got back to my presentation, and it was all good, and I continued on. But the video that started auto playing was like Day in the Life of Alfredo Two. Yeah. Too. No, I, it was, I'm pretty sure it was the second one. The second I, one wasn't out yet. I'm pretty sure I went... Oh, you might be right, but I thought I went through and I looked through... I don't I don't think I've ever seen the second one, honestly. Wait, I can verify right now because it's still in my liked playlist. Um. Anyway, it was a Sugar Pine 7 video. For those of you that don't know... Sugar Pine 7 was a brief, beautiful um part of YouTube where it was started by Steven Suptic and company, and it was basically a parody of the internet vlog format and it was like semi vlog semi story um and at least like the best part of it was this weird fusion where you weren't sure what was real or not and it was just very surreal and very funny this is all accurate yeah and then like slowly they they angled a lot into storytelling and that either worked or didn't work it is indeed the day in the life of Alfredo too. That mate, that is literally chronologically in my like. I only remember that because the very beginning shows that. Yeah. I remember that, and thank God I didn't play the sound. I'm pretty convinced that wasn't. Whatever. I might also be conflating it with my Best Buy story, which I also think brought up the day in the life Could of be. Alfredo. Yeah. Um, anyway, Sugar Pine Someone was really good, and then they got really heavily into storytelling, which either worked or didn't work. And then they completely abandoned storytelling, which I would say worked less. Because they had to make videos every day or yeah. something with their contract, or that's what they Rooster Teeth was telling them. Yeah. Um, they, and they, they just, just ran out of steam. I also, I think this is maybe a hot take, especially because you watched their podcast. I feel like them starting their podcast killed a lot of the vibe of the show. Because mm. so much of the vibe of the show, at least initially, was like, I don't know who these people are. Like, where these people end and where the character begins, and what here is fake or not. Yeah, but I think that started to cause issues for them on a personal level. That's probably true. Um, because that's how the end of season two kind of was, if yeah. you remember. Um, I still think season two was quite good, and the podcast was oh, going yeah. on the season whole time. Season two was a lot better than I think gets credit yeah. for. And that was going on, like, the podcast was being recorded throughout season two. Yeah. Um, I think they just, season three, they ended up being conflicted and being forced to do too much yeah um, i think that's fair and their content suffered a little bit there were still some good moments but, yeah um i like their podcast though anyway point is i started that video which is totally inappropriate in <laughs> class but luckily saved the day anyway it happens that like a month later sure it is spiritual autobiographies it is like party time and our professor darren the dick end of, the, end of the class yeah it's the end of the class he's vibing. like Let's freaking have a great little potluck. Yeah, we're, we're having food as we often did in that class. <laughs> yes, it's true. And then Darren's like, Noah, why don't you play some of your tunes? And I'm like, dang it, why? So anyway, I throw on some music at first, and I'm like, oh, I'm just going to play some like Ben Rector on YouTube because it's clean and everybody will probably enjoy it. And then I got bored, and I started playing my iTunes or Apple Music playlist. Yeah, yeah. And that is when um, uh, Glendon looks up and is like, wait. Is that Sugar Pie 7 in your playlist? And I'm like, why? Yes, it is. 
I'm trying to remember if it was straight up a Sugar Pine Seven song. I think was. there was like I think there was like it was a just slow... a couple friends. Okay, I think there was a development though, where I think there were a couple songs that you played where I was like, "This is a song I heard from Sugar Pine Seven. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there were multiple. Because half of that pl- uh, or half of that playlist was like songs from Sugar Pine Seven because they were pretty banging. Yeah, like a lot of the music that I've gotten, I got from Sugar Pine Seven. Exactly. Because that freaking Stephen Subject had good taste in music. And so that ended up being the, uh, and that's when Glendon realized that we both liked Sugar Pine 7. He was the only other person I'd ever met <laughs> that was into Sugar Pine 7. What a time. And then they died. That was the story of how Glendon and I first got to know each other. See, I feel like I wasn't following them actively by the time yeah. The Life of Alfredo 2 came yeah, out. Yeah, you weren't. Okay. I was. Okay. Did that I f- come up in conversation then? Yeah, we talked about that. Okay. Because I followed them to the end. Yeah. I sometime was it basically around the time they moved offices I completely tuned out and Jeez, was like that's early. Well like no like moved into like the fun house office. Yeah, I know. I remember that. That's not super early. It feels early to me. I guess they made so many videos in that office. That was like season 4, is that what that was? Yeah, season th- season 3 was the whole they never did a season 4. Okay, cuz well when did cuz there was a season finale that was the whole, like, Jamie story. Wasn't there? The Jamie story? Yeah, because, like, there's Jamie and his boss and, like, James. Yeah, that was... They split season three into two different, like... Okay. Um, They did, like, the season three that was just, like, the bits. And then there was a season three with the storyline. Okay. And I actually think the storyline was quite entertaining. The storyline was okay. I liked it. It had... It had good and... It, hit and miss the finale of that finale story was great was, it was something <laughs> it was so out there i loved it this is this is a one prolonged conversation <laughs> about that, sugar pine seven that no one in our audience will have any connection to i just want you all to focus on the beauty that is clayton james it's true what a man <laughs> he is a man um he can sing he can Wear a headband. He can wear a headband. He can also take you by your knees and send you downtown to the happy place. Wink. Embryo, y'all. <laughs> uh, let's go, broiler. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah, no one is gonna no. get. Uh, that was any- also that was also the period where they had freaking what's his face. Um, Denver, Colorado, but not. I don't remember oh, his actual yeah. name. Oh, um, yeah. Devin. Devin. Because he was around for like a very brief period, yeah. and then they had a fight and left. But the yeah, period that he was there him. was really good. Yeah. Because that was the same episode where he's convinced they're going to a wedding. <laughs> and then they go to the streamies, and he doesn't know what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Devin was pretty good, I'm not going to lie. He was decent. He was, yeah. I missed Parker. I think once Parker was kind of out of the show... It lost a lot of its groove. I'm so, like, the lie. end of the first season? Mm, but he was back for parts of the second season. It's true. Um, but, yeah, it was better when he was part of it. But, like, he also became Disney Boy, so. Yeah. I just miss Jeremy. <laughs> Jeremy? Yeah, also, because there was less Jeremy as well. Yeah, Jeremy, Jeremy made that Jeremy show. Jeremy was my favorite character. <laughs> um, one of my favorite bits in that show. So, for those of you who don't have context, i.e. everybody. Um, Jeremy in this show is like a machine force of man who always wears sunglasses and is just And he constant- has a beard. He has a beard and he's just constantly up to like something sketchy. And there's one episode where he's just gone for a bit and then he shows up with a shovel. And they're like, where have you been? Why do you have a shovel? And his only answer is, 
people need kidneys, you know? <laughs> well, I, why do you remember that so specifically? It's just like one of my favorite lines in the whole thing. Jeremy, uh, Jeremy was a great character. And that other guy who, I can't remember his name. <laughs> if that's a bit that Clinton understands, again, none of you. This is such a hard conversation to have knowing that literally no one why listening to this. Why did we start this conversation? It's a beautiful thing. Man. Um... Okay, I've got, so yeah, that's, yeah. How, that's how we got to know each other, you know. It is, it's true. A couple shared references and um, some good English talks as well. We did have lots of English talks about that was, point too. I would say that was probably my most transformative year at Ambrose. Yeah, I know. The the back-to-back of Modern Lit Theory and Lit by Women was a and lot. And Barfield. <laughs> Barfield was... Owen Barfield, mate. Oh, yeah. Was that that year as well? Yeah. That was a good Tolk, year. Yeah, the Inklings was that year. That was a good year. There was a, Yeah, and Spiritual Autobiography. Like, it was just a Spiritual great year. Spiritual Autobiography was also really good. Yeah. Like, um, and even, honestly, 18th century literature was a class I enjoyed. I know you good. didn't. I, I wouldn't say I didn't enjoy it. It's, I just... You slept in a couple times. I slept I in a couple times, but I was there. I don't know. It's not, it's not that I disliked it. It's just I was kind of like... Done with Darren. No, it's not even true. I actually... I might... Oh, I need to contact Darren because apparently there's a new class or not a new class. Um, I guess Bible, Bible and literature is yeah. on the syllabus all of a sudden, and it oh. wasn't before, and that's being taught by Darren. Yeah, I've taken that class. And so was it good? Um, it was hard because that was the first Darren class I ever took, and oh, it was really? in like my third semester at Ambrose. Okay. It's hard to judge. I remember learning who Darren was at that point. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I should talk to him about it, but I'm debating whether I switch out tragedy and comedy for that class. <laughs> I remember Darren in that class one time at the beginning class was like, Noah, it's an interesting box you have there. It was like my freaking box of pencils. Oh. And I'm like, yeah, it's my box of pencils. Like, it was such a random thing. And I'm like, why are do you, you asking me? Do you me? remember my favorite memory of Darren? Uh, does it involve freaking a sexual entendre? It doesn't actually. Um, it's just Darren being weird and Darren. What is it? Then? So, um, there was one time I went to Films for Faith and I had to like grab food on my way into Films for Faith. Mm. And so it showed up with like, I think like chicken fingers and French fries. And I was just sitting there and I was eating them. And I, I may have. Oh, gotten, I remember now. I yeah. may have gotten through my chicken fingers at this point. I don't even know. But Darren just walks up and looks at, looks at my food and makes eye contact with me. <laughs> And says, French fries! <laughs> With, like, this very, like, quizzical but impressed expression that only Darren can pull off. And that was the conversation! It was two words! I remember that. That was one of the few films for Faith I went to. I just, yeah, blatantly remember. I, I can picture exactly how Darren said that, yeah. Oh, man. What a man. <laughs> strange i oh. love it oh i miss darren he agreed to freaking recommend do write a letter of recommendation right. for me though what a man i should i should ask him if you can come to coffee with us <laughs> yeah please <laughs> no don't ask i just show up i mean that's also a possibility <laughs> i just sit down and be like hmm, i'm probably gonna set it up going? for either thursday or this weekend wait what that soon yeah i want him oh, to God. do it this week but... as long as he's comfortable um speaking of shakespeare glendon trolled me last week on his did I? Second birthday. Did I? Yeah, he did. Mate, you hunted. Do you not remember? Oh, yeah, I guess. That was good. Freaking, I show up. Glendon has like a small little like birthday thing. Yeah. Where it's like, hey, you want to come over and eat some roast? 
Now, little, I thought Glendon was literally just inviting me over for a roast with Schubert. I didn't realize there was actually, like, it was kind of like an actual sort of official, like, Glendon birthday thing. Well, it was, so it was, basically, Schubert had this giant roast, and he was yeah. like, please invite people. I need people to eat. I have so much food. And so Austin's birthday was the day before mine. Yes. Which is, so Austin's my roommate, and his girlfriend was over, and one of his friends was over, mm-hmm. who was an English student at MRU. Yes. Um, and so we're like, the roast got finished earlier than we thought. So we kind of get started eating. Noah's like, I'll be there when I get there. Yeah, because Glendon sends me three different times at that point. Yeah. And I'm like, damn it, man. I don't know when I'm supposed to be there. Well, I so- said seven and then <laughs> Schubert was like closer. No. It was seven and then it was closer to 630. And then yeah. it was like, oh, we're eating now. And I'm like. Yeah. Well, thank you, but okay, I'm on my way. So, yeah. like, I will be there when I can. But I'm like, start eating without me. It's fine. So I go and I pick up some pastries. I pick up something else that I'll talk about later. Um, and what else did you pick up? <laughs> I have to explain that later. It's funny. Um, did I not receive it? You don't know about this yet. Okay. This is why it's got to be live on the podcast. Anyway, so I show up at the house. I walk in. I open the door. I'm a little flustered <laughs> from the thing I had to pick up earlier. Um, so I walk in and suddenly I'm like, everybody's like, oh, no, I'm like, oh, this is great. And someone's like, no, great to see you again. And I'm like, I don't know who you are internally. Mm-hmm. And so she starts asking me questions like, oh, how have you been? What have you been up to? And I'm like, well, I've been busy. And I'm looking at Glendon trying to like give, I don't know, I'm trying to give him something or be like, hey, I got pastries and like, <laughs> I'm like the, very confused. The, the universal um, uh, human uh, <laughs> unspoken signal for I yeah. have pastries. <laughs> well, I had pastries in my hands. Um, and I'm also talking to Schubert a bit and being like, you know, there's food and I'm trying to think about how to eat. Um, <laughs> anyway, so then Glennon's like, hey, have you seen the house? And I'm like, no. So he takes me to his room and I'm like, mate, I have no idea who that is. Like straight up, I'm just like I have no idea. I don't remember her at all. And Glennon's like, "Oh, don't you remember her from Shakespeare?" And I'm like, "I gave a presentation in that class. I put people into groups. Either she was only there half the time, or I'm losing my mind." And so it comes down to the point that I'm like, "I want to be clear. Everyone in the house heard that conversation." <laughs> oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I heard giggling at one point, and I'm like, "Oh, my coverage's blown." So I tried to be quiet, but Glendon was loud. Because I remember, I'm pretty sure you said pretty loudly, like, she was into Shakespeare. <laughs> and something about measure for measure. And I'm like, yeah. well, shoot. Um, and then Glendon showed me his books. And we get back to the table. And I'm helping Schubert in the kitchen with something. I don't remember sure. if I was just getting food. And I hear Glendon and this woman talking about measure for measure. And I'm like, oh, well, that seems pretty legit then. Maybe, like, maybe Glendon is honest. And I genuinely have a bad memory. And I've completely forgotten this person. So then over dinner, like, she's conversing with me as if she knew me from back in the day. And I'm very, like, a little bit confused, but also, like, I mean, I'll play along. It's good conversations. And we talk about the podcast and realize Glendon never tells anyone about the podcast. That makes me sad. Um, And then I tried to explain what the podcast was, and then I got really sad. (laughs) What does that mean? And so then, freaking. It comes to the point where she turns to me and is like, do you remember my name? And I'm like, well, Glendon told me her name. I could just say that and play along. But I'm like, ah, no, I'm tired. 
And so I'm like, I mean, to be honest, I don't, I didn't really remember who you were, and I've been trying to figure it out. You this made whole time. it really sad. Like I <laughs> want to stress that you made it really I'm sad. Like, I've been really trying to figure it out, and like I feel, I feel bad, and like, am I a bad person? Yeah, yeah. You're and like- then everybody starts laughing, and I'm like, why does everyone find that so funny? I didn't think me being a bad person was that funny. <laughs> um, and she's kind of like hiding her face. And like, I don't know if it was shame or if it, it was, was hilarity. Fun. I think everyone, like, it was funny because you were so sincere about it. And then everyone <laughs> felt bad because you were so sincere about and it. That's how I do. And then that's when the freaking truth came out that apparently they had all planned to troll me um, by pretending as if she was in Shakespeare when she was not. Um, and then I found out that I wasn't actually insane. She was actually doing a paper on measure for measure. Oh, I know. And she's actually an English major yeah. from what both you and her have said. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not like I didn't, like, everything was a lie. Yeah. But, yeah. That's a good time. It was a wild ride. You trolled me for, an like, an hour. <laughs> it wasn't that long. It was an elongated amount of time, though. It felt like a long it time. It was a while. So, okay. You know what else took a while? The U.S. election. <laughs> There it is, boys. We got it done. You have no idea how proud Glendon is at this moment in time. He is so happy. Kip, that was good, though. It's true, though. The election. It was long. It was hard. And it was it so... It was throbbing. <laughs> okay. Um, and I think it was surreal, too. Because, like, so my birthday was the third. The same day that, yes. like, um... Not the poll. first. The the, the, the polls closed. Poll, yeah, the same day the polls closed, um, and like the count started, and I think most people, it, it was sort of the thing that was like known, but no one actually like understood it. Where like this was gonna take a while to count out because so much of it was done by ballots, by like mail-in ballots, um, because of COVID and like people not wanting to be in person, and so. It started on, like, the 3rd, but it went through until, like, the Friday or the Saturday, right? Uh, it was called on Saturday morning. It was called on Saturday morning. And the weird byproduct of this was, as a result, like, my birthday also felt, like, weirdly elongated. Um, also, like, I mean, my birthday was on Tuesday. Uh, you came over for that big meal on Wednesday. True. You took off after... An hour. It, not an hour. Well, you came after an hour. so that it, I was a little bit late, and then I was there, and I was, like, ready to chill for a bit. And then Glenn's like, well, I'm leaving. Yeah, I'm it, like, was, it was very, very okay. tight. It was... That wasn't entirely my fault. Um, oh, no. I'm not blaming you at all. I'm yeah. just like, oh, it was really funny how I was, like, It expecting. was very funny. But, yeah, so there was all of that. Um, yeah, and so it was, like, the whole weird felt... The whole week felt very, like, blurred together. Uh, I think I was also just tired and exhausted because it was, like, the week before reading week and I was just kind of done with everything. Fair. But it was just very surreal. It was like, this is still going on. Nothing's over yet. We're just waiting for Pennsylvania and Georgia. And we're still technically waiting. Technically we are, yeah. Like, that's the super weird thing is that the count is technically still going on, I think. Yep. But... Everything, unless there's, like, a huge amount of fraud, which sounds absurd. Well, yeah, because the only accusations of fraud are coming from the Republicans to the states that they lost. Yeah, exactly. They're trying to quite literally 
con their way into yeah, the election. They're trying to suppress voting, and they've been trying for like the past few months. Um, and they don't like that they lost because they lost. And they're a bunch of babies. And there's like I don't know. I I've been talking to friends about it a little bit, and some of them are like. Like, there, we should do a count just to, like, appease people and be sure that it's all good. Which is, like, fair, but I'm also kind of, like... Do a count of what? Like, what do they mean? Just, like, making... Or, like I guess, recount? do an investigation into, like, these different claims. There just, already are investigations into the claims. Yeah. And they haven't found anything. No, exactly. Yeah. So, it's... it's Partly, it's just covering bases, but it's, like, it's all pretty absurd. It's... it's like, there were Republican officials in every one of these counting rooms. Yeah. Like, they were there witnessing it. Oh, yeah. Within 10 and then later 6 feet. Yeah. It was not like they were freaking miles away like some people were claiming. Yeah. They were there. And it's also, like, it shouldn't be such a surprise that um, Trump, who repeatedly um, tried to diminish the value of mail-in ballots... And repeatedly stressed that mail-in ballots should not be done, um, mostly because he didn't want them to. Um, meanwhile, Biden was like, "It's a pandemic. Send in your mail-in ballots." It should be no surprise that most of the mail-ins are going to Biden. Exactly, it's that, obvious. Yeah, like that's just how it's going to work. And it's no surprise that after Trump repeatedly bashed the military over the last four plus years mm. they decided to vote for biden as a whole that's true what is surprising to me is how freaking close the stupid thing was yeah that is surprising like it was always in the back of my mind that the cult of trump existed and would probably show up the fact that it was basically split 50 50 well not quite not yeah. quite but like for a long time, it was way closer than it had any right to be. Oh, I mean, what was it, Tuesday night? Yeah. I was uh, I was pretty nervous, I'm not going to lie. And, like, a lot of, even even stuff like Pennsylvania and Georgia that, like, we won over, it's, like, 49.8 to, yeah. like, 50.2. It was close. I mean, it was close. Yeah. Like, and it just, it baffles me that after four years of everyone watching this guy publicly humiliate himself touch being, himself in public yeah being publicly racist publicly sexist publicly boasting of his sexual assaults publicly um insulting the military and all these other things publicly wielding the bible as a weapon um that people are still down for this in fact a vast technically not a majority of people but a vast number of people are still down with this and want another four years of this yep and a lot of people don't see the problem. Well, I mean, I think a good portion of the problem is that you have evangelical and other American Christian preachers it's true. prophesying it's true. that Trump is God's freaking destined man to be reelected or whatever they and say. And then when they're wrong, they're like, oh, we're not false prophets. We were just oh wrong. God. Yeah, you know, I'm going to publicly, I'm going to throw Chris Valentin under the absolute bus because he is... He is one of the biggest... He's a scumbag. He's he's <laughs> lower than a scumbag. Quite honestly, he's an asshole. He's narcissistic and selfish. He freaking complained that somebody had once, like, scraped his $150,000 Ferrari or something. Oh, not his Ferrari. Like, the dude is loaded because Bethel. Because Bethel. And the man has publicly, um, in in a public sermon to his congregants argued that they need to 
um, rally against these bills that would ban conversion therapy Ooh. in California. A very po- in a sermon posted on the Bethel website. Yikes! And they took it down after because I can't imagine why. Because <laughs> um, it sucks. Like, for, like actually making that appeal, which is yeah. disgusting for one thing. Yeah. And morally, un like. Oh yeah. I think it's unethical and immoral. Yeah. Um, so big issues there and then he comes out i believe it was a little over a year ago year and a half ago and comes out and prophesies it's god's will that trump is reelected. i remember when this happened because i tweeted about it and which is such a stupid thing to say such a stupid who who would freaking put their whole like career livelihood betting on this man apparently a lot of men in america are christians um and then it comes out that Trump has presumably, at this point, lost. Very likely. And so Chris Vallotton issues an apology, claiming that, oh, I sometimes you get things wrong. And doesn't mean I'm a false prophet. And I'm like, Which, pretty sure when you get a prophecy wrong, that is the biblical definition that is, that is of a false prophet. That is, the biblical definition. Like, read the prophets. And that is literally what they say of how to tell a prophet from a false prophet. Yeah. Is whether what they say is true. Like, literally in Jeremiah, yeah. that is what happens. In Isaiah, that is what happens. Yeah. He's, like, just a, a dumbass. <laughs> and then he retracts the apology. He did, because they're not sure yet if Trump was out. So he's like, oh, maybe it'll still come true. I'm like, like how like, are you that? take the L, man. <laughs> he's so desperate to win that, that he retracts his apology. It's like, how can... The thing that bothers me is, like, how can you take this guy seriously at oh, this point? and people do. But like, people still, like, I'm sure Bethel had just as great of an attendance last weekend as any other. I mean, I showed you the conversation that I had, yep. Um, what, like, Thursday, Friday night? Um, would have been Thursday night. With this one person who I knew one summer at camp, he was a pretty chill dude from what I was able to determine. And he was just going full tilt for Trump. He, I, I, I quote, he said, um, Trump is the greatest president ever, which I don't know how anyone comes to that conclusion just in general. Like he hasn't done anything except kill 200,000 people. True. Um, Accurate. He, like he, he, he hasn't even like people like to claim that he's been good for the economy and he really hasn't that much. Um, all these different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it, it went back and forth. Because I knew the man was a Christian, I tried to base a lot of my argument on, like, Trump has been doing things that are, like, immoral and are not the good standards for a Christian leader. Can't you see this is setting a bad example for what Christian leadership looks like? Because the evangelical right is so set on painting him as, as like, this great Christian leader. And this guy's like, nope. (laughs) Literally, he was like, no, um, we've forgiven him for what he did in his past. Um, Also, all the pastors that I... Um, follow yeah. um, have vocally supported him. Uh, John MacArthur, he cited oh my God. all these other things, and I was like, "Didn't freaking John Piper write an article against Trump?" Probably. Um, well, not like blatantly. Yeah, it, but... it, it, it was a whole article on like why it makes sense for Christians to vote for Biden. Yeah, like, why you should not be surprised. And so, like, um, but yeah, he was like, "Yeah, John MacArthur." He also said the Baptist Church was the only church left <laughs> in America, which was really funny to me. Um, Baptist. And then I was like, okay, well, I don't, I don't think he and some of these people, um, support biblical tradition, um, looking at like, 
old like the biblical history and like the church fathers and then he called Mm -hmm. me a filthy lib and that was the end of the conversation true because i guess because i study my faith i'm a liberal sure you can act like that's an insult um and this is like that's the funniest thing to me is so much of this bipartisan split is like oh you think differently than me therefore i'm gonna call you um, this thing that I've determined is an insult, but is actually just a normal word. True. Well, for them it is an insult. Yeah, which I think is really funny. Like, I I don't know if I would use the word conservative as an insult. There are a lot of conservative views that I disagree with. You conservative schmuck. <laughs> it's like, there are a lot of conservative views that I disagree with. Gener- like, yes, Absolutely. But that doesn't intrinsically mean that I hate the person because they're a conservative. Exactly. If they're, like, throwing all their support behind Trump, who's, like, a genuinely immoral, disgusting man, yes, I'm not a fan of you. I'm sorry. And Trump is the embodiment of ego. He is. All he talks about is himself. He's <laughs> ego incarnate. And these people are also, like, back up your sources. Um, The media is uh controlled by the left. Uh, use facts and logic, and I'm like, everything that I'm saying <laughs> yeah. is things that Trump himself has done visually. You can watch him do it. I'm not like going to anything. I'm watching interviews with him. I'm watching video of him, and he's being an a moral, sexist, racist scumbag. Like this is just things that he's proudly doing. He went to a protest where people were being gunned down and fla- flaunted the Bible. That's like. That is literally, like, antichrist imagery. Not in the sense of, like, whatever, but, like, in the actual Johannite sense of, like, someone who's against any semblance of acting Christ-like. Um, I'm down to just call him the antichrist. That's fair. The thing is, like, that word has gotten completely overblown in what it actually means, but... It means antichrist. It does, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. But, no, it's just... And I think, honestly... I think they're, they're, like, the conservative church has a lot to bear right now uh, a lot to like apologize for but i think to make amends for a lot yeah a lot to make amends for they're gonna need to perform a lot of services for the people that have been hurt (laughs) and i think there there i mean there's a couple things that are wrong with the image that this election has created first of all how much um people are willing like the the evangelical church is willing to throw out their basic morality for political support Mm-hmm. Um, because that's a lot of what this is: is leadership making political de- or like making greedy decisions, yeah, and that trickling down to its cult-like followers. I, as easy as it is, it can be hard to blame some of these people for just like doing these things when it's really their leadership that has like baited and guilted them into following their ways. It's true. Um, but I think another part of this is this idea of, like, single-issue voting. Hey, you wanted to talk about that. Yeah, like, I could be wrong. Um, I just, when I think of the concepts of single-issue voting, it seems to me like a more conservative concept, intrinsically. Probably. I, I can't, and again, I could be wrong, but I can't think of anyone I know who is more liberal, more left-winged, who would consider themselves a single-issue voter and be like proud of that yeah i mean i i can think of people who would have like uh, one issue that's more important than others Um, but i think of 
again, a lot of these conversations I've had, people are like, well, your person supports abortion, so therefore I have to vote against them. Or your person votes or is in support of gay rights, so I have to be against them. Which is... I mean, it's despicable, Wait, but... yeah, let's yeah. freaking... You know, I'm going to call it as yeah. it is. It's despicable to oppose gay rights. Yeah. It's unchristian to oppose gay rights. Yeah. Um, it's unhuman yeah. to oppose gay rights. And it's very much the embodiment of ego yeah. to oppose gay rights. And, and if you do so, I want you all to look yourself in the face. And I want you to smack your teeth out. <laughs> and maybe you'll learn something. No, I don't use violence. But actually look yourself in yeah. the face and try to see what life would be like through the lines of someone who is gay or, or trans for that matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe you might learn some level of empathy. And I think um, the, the, we support gay rights Yeah. in case that isn't clear. There's a lot of like overlapping issues with this whole conservative line of thought. Um, and I think part of it, I have I talked about the idea of like a Christian nation before on this podcast? You want a Christian nation? No, I want, I am opposed to that idea intrinsically. I think, a lot of conservatives want a Christian nation. Yeah, they do. That's literally the plot of The Handmaid's Tale. It's true. Um, they want something where they want to legalize their morality. Yep. Um, because they think if we do so, um, we will make the nation unto God that we want. Little do they know that's not what the Bible wants. Um, the Bible is never like, hey, um, make you as Christians go and make a, a, a perfect world for yourself um that is just what you want that's that's not how it works anytime people do try to do that things go horrendously wrong both in the bible through history etc this is how the crusades happened and they were really bad but there's this whole attitude let's make a christian nation let's legalize our morality even though the u.s has no official religion and so because of that you get these things where like well I believe this, so we'll make this law, and so I will only vote for people who support this law, which fundamentally comes down to, like you said, a lack of empathy, where people just don't care about anyone who thinks differently than them, and thinks everyone should think the same as them, and if they don't, they should go to jail. That's basically it. Which is incredibly disgusting, and very, very, like, like, who cares? Um, like, on a, on a, I don't want to say who cares, but on a strict level, like, say you are someone who doesn't support homosexuality for some strange reason, um, doesn't support the LGBTQ for whatever reason, fine, just live your life. Like, you don't have to go in such a way that, like, is actively destroying people's lives. That isn't ethical, that isn't Christ-like, that isn't how Jesus walked the earth. Um, and it seems like a lot of these single-issue voters are just people who hate people or don't understand people and just want everyone to think the same way they do. Whereas a lot of the people that I've become friends with over like the past four or five years especially, people who aren't the crazy um, right-wingers from Manitoba, um, Oof. are all people who are like, hey... I may not agree with all of these things. I may not even understand all of these things. Mm-hmm. But people deserve a chance to live their lives. People deserve to not be in fear of what will happen or etc. People deserve to be happy. So why not give them freedom to be happy? Like, 
common human decency. Because often Christians don't want people to be happy. Ooh. It's true, though. They don't want people to be happy unless they're happy doing what Christians, what yeah. those Christians say they should be doing. Yeah. Um, hence why they're against everything that is a part of like how people express themselves sure because they only want people to express themselves in one way yeah unless of course you're freaking what's his face carl lentz or whatever the guy who cheated on his wife at hillsong oh yeah um and pretended to be some like sports manager oh yeah to seduce a woman and date her for five months behind his wife's back oh my gosh and then claim once she broke it off with him that oh i'm sorry we're both broken people and we both have a lot to work on and the article's like yeah well one of them didn't pretend to be a sports manager and cheat on their spouse for five months exactly like freaking i there's this there's such a a fundamental fundamental yeah exactly fundamental um antagonism towards like the shadow or towards anything that is considered other in fundamentalist Christianity that these people end up othering parts of themselves that end up coming out in like the dark shadows at at, in one way or another. And that's why you have so many Christian pastors and and leaders constantly involved in sexual uh, abuse cases or um, rape or cheating, whatever. Like there are so, so many in christian leadership because they pretend like they don't have these issues and like there's a fundamental belief that desires are wrong Mm. and i don't think that's helpful in any right sense i mean you start believing that desires are wrong that's it's so easy to just other people who do follow their desires in one shape or Mm -hmm. another that's why hence they're so against the lgbtq yeah community and that's not to say that desires are always good or helpful oftentimes following your desires can lead to um negative outcomes or to unhelpful outcomes but to demonize or to just plainly other your desires you end up um well creating a scapegoat out of something that's a part of you and to try to make your desire something that's other and not a part of you you end up suppressing a part of yourself and that is never helpful and so when you attempt to to other a part of yourself and suppress it you can often channel that um frustration that comes with suppressing that part of yourself suppressing those desires and considering them evil or wrong and you end up pushing that onto other people and you other them as well. And I think that's what's happening often with uh, Christian leaders or just Christians in general when they other the LGBTQ community. No, yeah, I think a big part of why LGBTQ issues have become such a hot topic is because, I mean, even... Even if you were to live out this fantasy where the Bible calls it a sin, which it doesn't, um, read better translations. Um, even if you were to be like, okay, this is a sin, sure, whatever. Um, why is that your focus? Homosexuality is mentioned like a handful of times in the Bible. Um, what's mentioned more is murder, lying, deceit, greed. Uh, honor your mother and father these are like part of the ten commandments Mm -hmm. and 
the evangelical church doesn't give a damn about any of those. Um, they flaunt all of those publicly. Um, and the reason they're so focused on something like LGBTQ issues is because they can very easily say, well, we don't do this, you do, we can judge you because you're different. And it's why they're so quick to defend um, the unborn. Yeah. Because they're innocent and perfect and have nothing wrong with them. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot harder to defend people that are actually, you know, people. Yeah, it's true. Um, They jump towards the ease of defense instead of actually doing like the good work that should be done. Yeah. And this is this is something that I think about a lot uh with the topic of abortion because there it, it, it's always interesting to me because I think the left and the right fundamentally miss each other in the conversation in a mm. big way where and I've talked to you about this a couple years ago when I was you gave a presentation. Very no, not even like this was like during the summer that I'm thinking about. Oh. Um, cause I sat down very hard and was like, okay, what, where, where do I stand with this? Uh, yeah. Cause like the left and the right fundamentally miss each other in the conversation. The right is like, um, you are killing children. How dare you? And the left is like, you don't care about women. How dare you? And it just, it becomes a very, like, it is a very hard conversation, Yeah. but they miss what they're getting at. The right is on this morality track of, like, is this morally right or wrong? Which is a difficult conversation to have. The left is about policy. Mm-hmm. Is this Should this be allowed or not? Is this okay if we have this in our country? And this is, again, where we come to this conversation of legalizing morality. Yeah. I, If you were to ask me if I were to have an abortion, or, like, I wouldn't, like, because I'm not a woman. But if, like... I, if my significant other were pregnant and you're like, hey, would you guys want to have an abortion? Complications came up. That's an incredibly hard conversation. Like an impossibly hard conversation. That should be a lot more of her say than your say. Yeah, I, I know. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like in terms of is this like something that you would want to do? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm just in- making it clear yeah. so that people can't mishear you. For sure. But the fact is, there are so many um, causes and so many things. Like, abortion is not the problem. Abortion is a symptom of a lot of other problems. Of poor sex education, of a poor foster care system, of um, poor um, following up on abuse cases. Also Um, a symptom of toxic masculinity. Also a symptom of toxic masculinity and, like, so many other things. And it's like, okay... If you, as the right, have a problem with this on a moral level, sure, I can understand where you're coming from. But if you want to fix the problem, if you see this as a problem and you want to fix this, don't ban abortions. Some people don't have a choice. And some people will do it regardless. What you should do is improve the foster care system, improve sex education, um, crack down on abuse cases, like... All these different actually things. Actually teach boys how to treat each other. Yeah. And women. Actually talk to your guys and tell them how to have emotions and not repress everything until it all comes until out. You, yeah, until it all comes out and he ends up being a leader in the church who yeah. cheats on his wife and rapes people in the congregation. No, That's exactly. literally the problem. Exactly. And, like, it's such a... It's such a... It's, it's such a huge conversation. And, like, sure, but... The left isn't out to kill babies. That's not what anyone... People who are pro-choice aren't, like, 
people should commit abortions and people should die. It's, this is an impossibly hard conversation. People should be allowed to have this on their own terms because there are other issues at play. Let people make choices. We're adults. That's exactly it. But they don't want people making choices. They, they don't, don't want, want people me- thinking for themselves, Yeah, to and be they honest. don't want people doing things that they might maybe disagree with. Exactly. And this is why you get a bunch of people who are maybe otherwise, like, relatively sane people. But this is why you get everyone voting for a lunatic like Trump. Not because they believe anything he says, but just because they um, have these very hard pre-established moral issues that they will not budge on for anyone. Also worth noting, the conversation of abortion was not a Republican right-wing conservative conversation until a conservative made it so so he could get votes. Oof. This is Colin a summer ago or so posted an article on the or shared an article on this. Um, and yeah, basically if you look through the history of it, it was never a conversation. And then someone was like, I know how I can get the conservative church on the side of Republicans. I can make oh abortion a conversation. And it's worked ever since. That's actually kind of insane though. It is. This is the way conservatism works in the West is it's not about your political viewpoint. It's not about whatever. It's let's twist the conservative church really to be on our side for these issues so that they will always vote for us no matter what happens. Well, it's about power. more. It than is about power. Else. John MacArthur and those leaders don't have any care about faith, about what the Bible says. They just care about power because they've amassed it and they are have a lock hold on these translations that will continue to give them power and they don't care about people they just care about themselves i'm like going off this episode yeah you're kind of popping off right now with some hot takes and yeah. i'm sitting here like oh god yeah this is just, i feel like i don't have anything to add right now. this is just the me ranting episode i don't know i just had to deal with these people a lot recently and i'm like kind of and chilling. i haven't and i've just kind of been chilling yeah anyway tldr Politics. The reason, yeah, the reason why we get a, a, a criminal, vile, disgusting scumbag like Donald J. Trump gets the support he does mm. is because he manipulates you. Because he and... Scapegoats, the, people who are easily scapegoated. Yeah, and because he and the Republican Party have manipulated the conservative church into doing, doing whatever they want them to. Yep. And they have those voters in the palm of their hand. And that's never been more clear than this election, where people only vote for him because he claims to be more in favor of the things that they sort of like because they've been told to like them. Yep. Which is mind-boggling to me, but alas. And there's nothing that a group that wants to appear pure and perfect likes more than a good scapegoat. No, it's true. I My friend showed me today, or showed me this weekend... Um, it was the NKJV Patriots edition. Oh, no. It was on there's a website, and I kind of want to get it to him for Christmas because it was really funny. But it's literally an NKJV Bible, which already like suspect translation, but the Baptists love it, um, and the fundamentalists love it, even though it's bad. But it's like interweaved with just pages about like American history oh and like God. quotes from presidents and like all of these different things, and basically building up this argument that the U.S. was founded on Christian principles. Okay, I can speak to that bullshit. Um, Yeah. That is just so absolutely false. It's not even funny. (laughs) And honestly, a good portion of them, 
Like, some of them were deists. Yeah. A lot of them ended up becoming what you would call pantheists. Right, yeah. Or monists. Yeah. And, like, legitimately, like, Emerson, Thoreau, um, Whitman, like, the founders of what you would consider American individualism were all pretty much, at least this is my argument, <laughs> pantheists. Yeah. No, yeah. Um, and that's your foundation of American individuality. Uh, if we go back further, like Glendon said, a lot of the uh, original founders would be considered deists, though I'm sure there was still some level of Puritan influence in early American history, considering many of them did come over to America. But again, a lot of the founders were deists, and then later a lot of the founders of like the philosophy, the American philosophy were um, pantheists. The reason they used the Bible was because it's a thing that everyone relatively liked. And yeah. was big, and a lot of people believed. So of course you use that to support your government. That just that's just good politics. Again, the Republican Party. I and so this yeah, part. basically this was a whole. We we looked through like like dozens and dozens of reviews for this thing, and they were all like, "Oh, uh, I love this so much. Uh, it teaches me so much about U.S. history, um, and about how U.S. history is built on the Bible." Um, oh, this is so good. I oh bought God. one for myself, and I bought five more for my grandchildren. Uh, see, that's the audience right there. And, yeah, no, it was just, like, comment after comment of that. Exactly. Um, and, like, again, th- these were people who were interested in U.S. history, not the Bible. Like, none of them are reading it, because n- none of these reviewers were ever like, this, like, helped me engage with the Bible more. It was... This helped me understand U.S. history. I like this because it's about U.S. history, etc., etc. It's like, if you're reading your Bible for, like, modern history, you're doing something wrong. That is how a lot of people read it, though, mate. It's true. I think my favorite was, there's one, there's one comment which was the funniest to me and my friend, where it was like, yeah, I use this, I use this Bible from the pulpit, um, but the commenter was a woman, and we were like, what is, what is the Venn diagram? Between oh boy. Um, people who would use this Bible and people who are more egalitarian, um, <laughs> like, what is what is the crossover here? A very small, a very small one. But like, this is this is the sort of thing that like the Republican Church. Yeah, I'll call them that. Um, oh yes, damn. Like, like, you're you're not conservative you're not evangelical you're just republican this is the sort of thing like that church propagates bibles that aren't even bibles anymore they're just documents promoting u.s nationalism yeah again because freaking all of christian history they found something to scapegoat to try to keep their pure christian nation pure ever since they became intertwined with rome and empire yeah once you get freaking religion and empire intertwined every other country that's not your religion mm-hmm. ends up becoming a scapegoat and it's, it's like true. they're the problem or they're the problem etc and, and like, so forth and that is not well i mean that happened a lot in the bible but i mean yeah. that's not what i would consider jesus's teaching no, like i would say it's the opposite you look through like the actual message of the bible and it's constantly against a merger of faith and empire yep. the entire bible is written in the shadow of empire whether it's egypt babylon rome and there's, I mean, part of this is, I just read um, Rachel Rachel Held Evans. I almost could not pronounce her name. And, like, she talks a lot about this. But, like, yeah, this idea of the Bible is a story written in resistance. In resistance to the empires. In resistance mm-hmm. to, like, 
these powers, both spiritual and physical, that are, like, oppressing the church. Um, and I would say, like, because so much of the Republican church is co- convinced that they're being persecuted. Yep. Um, because, oh, things aren't going our way, this sort of thing is happening. The only way the American church is being persecuted is because they're allying themselves with the empire. That, that is, they are oppressing their own identity, and they're doing it willingly. I mean, I feel like that's a very Brian Zahn take. I don't know if I know who that is. You don't know who Brian Zahn is? I don't know. Or Brian Zahn? I don't know how to pronounce his name. That might be it. Um, Z-A-H-N-D. It's not familiar to me immediately. A big kind of Christian pastor who writes on Christianity and empire and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Very vocal on Twitter. Yeah. Um... But yeah, no, that's very much his whole point that once Christianity and specifically um, in this case, uh, I guess the American, Republican Church. Yeah, the Republican Church becomes well. No, I guess it's more when Christianity becomes intertwined with politics, it becomes a Republican Church. Yeah, and I I, I do want to add an important caveat to that because I think a lot of people, especially on the right side, which let's be honest, they don't listen to this podcast anyway. Um, huh, who knows? But a lot of the people in that side are very resistant to the idea of anything being political. Um, mm. Because really what that means is anything that supports ideas that the left traditionally supports, it's political. So if it yeah. supports LGBTQ, if it supports um, diversity, etc., it is political. Critical race theory. Yeah, exactly. Um which is a dumb thing, first and foremost. But like, also, well, okay, hold on. Let's no, no, clarify. No, no, sorry, Critical not, race theory is not, not a dumb thing. I'm saying the idea of um, being against anything that supports something being political. The idea of something being political and therefore bad is a dumb thing. Critical <laughs> race theory is great. Yeah, I know. This is why vague pronoun <laughs> references are bad. It's true. That's why I don't use them in my papers anymore because yep. I got caught on them too many times. <clears throat> Thank you, Goosen and Darren. Yeah, but yeah, like and read a little bit. Basically, and I I wrote a whole article about this, and it's something I think mm. about a lot. Where it's like everything will be intrinsically political because we are living in our modern culture, and everything we do reflects our culture naturally. Um, but there's a difference between doing our things so that they can be political um, and just willingly giving yourself to one side or the other willingly like prophesying and praising the the leader that you support yep. to like quote-unquote being too political which is going out and being active as a member of your community as like just someone being christ-like supporting and loving people around you mm-hmm. i agree i feel like i'm talking a lot this episode you and it's, did talk a lot it's, it's, it's because you are making me mix things up in my words also, Matthew's here. Hello. What are you doing here, mate? Nothing. What? Oh, that looks really fancy. I did it. I spiraled all the poker chips. That looks sick, actually. I tried really hard. Matthew, do you have anything to say? Um, peace and love. Thank goodness that power has been shifted in the United States of America. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. No! <laughs> Never again, mate. Do you know how many times I played that song? No. Ten thousand. <laughs> that was a good joke. <laughs> that was a good joke. I can't, mate. I can't. Someone. I'm not, I'm not quoting Chris Tomlin. I'm quoting the Bible. There's a difference. One makes me sound a lot holier. Yeah. Chris Tomlin. Pretty sure it's not Chris Tomlin, mate. <laughs> that is Chris Tomlin. He wrote Ten Thousand Reasons. I don't think so. He definitely performed it. He, oh, I'm sure he performs everyone's songs, yeah. mate. I definitely know it because of Chris Tomlin. Who wrote Good Good Father? <laughs> 
Not him. Not Chris Tomlin. The one I'm most upset about is God of the City because no, he wrote that song in my heart. <laughs> no, because God of the City was written by Blue Tree, who is a band from Belfast, and it's written about like the like sex profiting in Belfast and all these different things, and like like this like sex trade and all like all the stuff, and they're like. There's so much going wrong, but like we still see hope. And then Chris Tomlin's like, "Yeah, good old U.S. of A. Let's make this song sound really hopeful and happy." And I'm like, "Frick you, Chris Tomlin." Wait, what? What are you? What's your problem with sex workers, mate? No, like they're like sex trade. Point is, Glendon has a problem with people being bought and sold into sex slavery. Um, I don't have a problem with sex workers. I think they should be paid good wages. Um, they work just like all of us. Do you work, Noah? I'm saying everybody should have an OnlyFans, just like me. Okay. People have been clamoring for Glendon to start an OnlyFans. Do you, do, you, do you have an active OnlyFans, Noah? No. Sad. But we should make you an OnlyFans. The fans want it. Okay. Only your fans. Don't you want it? No. Don't you want the OnlyFans? I want money, but... Exactly. We'll start a cameo for you. I'm so... I feel like I'm tired and saying a lot and you're saying a lot and i just don't know what to add because i feel like the few things i said were what i had to say i'm very flamed up this episode i feel i always feel bad because i feel like when i'm flamed up i say things wrong and then people are gonna think i'm bad i'll listen through it and edit yeah <laughs> um i think what you said was accurate i think there's a problem of scapegoating and othering and those go hand in hand I think people are so out of tune with themselves that they become enchanted by the idea of ego that is incarnate in Donald Trump. Yeah. And he does everything they truly want. It's true. Um, Which is just lead them by a rope. Exactly. That's what they want, though. It's true. And uh, he hates, he others people, he scapegoats people. He He does. He does everything they truly want. Um, And it makes it easy for them because it keeps them feeling like they're the pure happy people that deserve all the good and happiness which is what is preached out of like half the churches in america because prosperity gospel because that's really all americans want they don't want god they want money and wealth and power which is what prosperity preaches it's true um and that's what they vote for money wealth and power they don't care about others or helping people or creating a better society that's more equal and um will help defend the marginalized and protect those in need they don't care about um anti-blackness they're probably racist they don't care about women because they're probably sex (laughs) they don't care about any issue that isn't oh this makes me look good and everyone else looks bad that's the main point i feel the need to clarify that uh i think i just made a pretty vast generalization and i think glendon did at times in the episode as well i i think sometimes when we talk it's easy to just paint this broad brush that all american evangelicals or christians who support trump are doing so because they really they hate other people for some reason. I'm sure that's is genuinely the case for a lot of these Christians, but that's their intentions are not always rooted in entirely hate of the other. Sometimes they I think they genuinely believe they have good intentions like protecting the unborn uh, with their abortion laws even though they don't understand exactly um why that wouldn't work. Um and it's just easy for us to demonize them. And I don't want to make it seem like we think all American evangelicals are just evil, evil people. Um, because we don't. I understand people are complicated, which is kind of my whole point of this. Um, people are complicated. 
and sometimes we have varied motivations and sometimes we um, do things and end up down a track that we didn't expect when our intentions were originally more good and that's kind of why the saying exists that the road to hell is paved with good intentions i think i've i'm I'm just saying a lot because i'm tired and because i haven't had a lot of human interaction recently that's valid and so now i'm just going off what is human interaction what is human action thank you for joining us um, hopefully you learned a lot from Glendon's angry ramblings. Also, in the future, I, I'm going to throw this in somehow. In the future, we want to have someone who um, I, is part of the LGBTQ plus community on the podcast. So if you're listening and you're interested in jumping on, we want to have a conversation with you and your experiences, particularly if you've ever gone to Ambrose, because I think, feel like that's a really good conversation. That's fair. And Glendon and I can't talk about it. Um, well, I'm not, I'm not gay. Yeah, neither. As much as my fans want me to be. <laughs> True, both of us are straight, so it's hard for us to have that conversation in a good, in a whole sense because we can't offer the big picture. Um, so we want to get more voices on the podcast. So if you're interested, hop on. Um, we'd be happy to have you. Glendon still wants more fans and followers and simps. I do. He wants his simps to be happy. I do. So simp for Glendon, friend. My, my simps deserve the world. And the world is me. How are you going to give yourself to all your simps? Vote uh, Glendon in the upcoming uh, Canadian election. I will make my own party. The Glen. What are you calling yourself? Um, the Frank Party. Uh, <laughs> the we're, Franks. We're we're frank about honest issues and honest things. Um, uh, they call me Honest Frank. Uh, my name's Glendon. I'm Honest Frank, and I'll be your prime minister for today. And if you a vote for me is a vote for my simps, uh, just support us, and I will support you with loving affection. If you're sad, I can give you a hug, and if you don't want a hug, I can give you a word of encouragement. And if you don't want that, um, tell me what you do want, and I can supply that for you. This sounds like a cult. <laughs> uh, join join the cult of Frank. Uh, vote me next election, whenever that is. That's a wrap. <laughs>